Hi, hey. Hi guys, come on in. Where's Michael? I think so. Hi, Mr. Gogan, a brave. No, I'll take a spot right here. Uh, Father God, we praise you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you that you're always with us and that you watch over us and that you love us and that you paid a price that we couldn't pay or nobody else could pay Amen. Uh, for, for us and that you love us enough to do that. We give you praise and honor and glory and we say we thank you for being a faithful and true God and a loving God in Christ's name. Amen. 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 They all get here. They're somewhere. Everyone's around. Okay, tonight we're in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. And the title of this message is, But We See Jesus. And you'll see why. So, Hebrews 2 8 out of the New King James. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that you put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under it. And then one of the biggest words in the Bible, the biggest word in the Bible is IF. It's the one you don't want to miss, if. Um, but we see Jesus. Thank you. But we see Jesus. Now, there is seeing and there is seeing. There's voice cracking and there's no voice cracking. There's seeing and there's seeing. So if I back all the way up to verse 8. But now we do not yet see. And then we get to verse 9. But we see Jesus. So, once again, this is where we encounter um, nuances. What are some of the different words that we have in English for seeing? Okay, as a as a verb, to look, view, which the view. You say something. What do you want to sit here with? To look. All right, behold. So there there are all kinds of different English words we see, but when we're reading the uh, the New Testament, sometimes we see the same English word, and we don't see the nuance that's there in the text. So, in Hebrews 2.8, we do not yet see. This word see in the Greek is orao. <coughs> Excuse me. And it's to see, perceive with the eyes, look at. Implying not the mere act of seeing, but also the actual perception of the same object. So, I see Mr. Cole's hat. That's orao. I'm using my eyes, I'm actually looking, but I saw an object. That's what that word is. So, in, in Hebrews 2.8, we've looked with our eyes, but we haven't actually objectively seen all things placed under man's foot, or the son of man's foot. Even though all things have been placed under his control, we don't see it subjected to him yet. And then, verse 9 says, But we see Jesus. But we see Jesus. So they're seeing, and they're seeing. 
in this word in the Greek, <coughs> a little pause here. So I'm sucking on candy. And when you're used to, you know, having a drier mouth than most folks, you just forget that you have to swallow all the time. So there's skills you lose, right? You've got to regain. Is the Greek blepo. And that is to use the eyes to see, to look, used of the act of seeing, even though nothing is seen. You catch the nuance? This one has an object that is actually seen. We might say something like, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Do you use your eyes when you say, I see what you're saying? Not really. No, but you're seeing. So it's kind of like that, but not exactly. This, is, this word has reference to the act of actually looking. Okay. Whether or not something's seen. To observe accurately with desire. To observe accurately. Now catch all this. So, we are looking to Jesus accurately, with desire. So, therefore, it is mental vision. It involves more contemplation than orao, more of your brain, more of your passion, more of your imagination, more of you is invested in this see Jesus than in the we don't see yet. Are you with me? Now, one of the principles of Bible study, if you will, or interpreting Scripture, and it's nothing I build a church on, but it's helpful. Anytime the Holy Spirit uses a particular word the first time, and also a concept, if, it, if when the Holy Spirit brings forward a concept the first time, in that first time, there's all kinds of things invested in that first use. It's like a seed. And everything's in there, and it kind of like can bloom out. So that, that first use is important. For instance, God said, let there be light. How big is that in Scripture? Right? It's, it's like Scripture. God said, let there be light, is Scripture. That's why. Come on in, man. Alright. Okay. So, alright. So the first thought, you know, I, habits are... Well, habits are good to build and hard to break. Good habits are good to build, right? So I, I have this habit. If I'm looking at a nuance of a word, I'll just look up every use of this Greek word. And I looked at the first one. Transparency moment. I looked at the first one. I said, that doesn't fit the teaching. <laughs> uh, well, I got to find one that's like in the epistles or something to really bring this home. And, you know, I got that check. It's like, that's the first use, pal. Yeah, I know, but come on, think about it. And I thought... You know what, Holy Spirit? I guess you do know what you're doing when you put the Bible together. <laughs> so you want a good example of the difference between orao and blepo? I'm going to share with you the first, first use of the word blepo in Scripture. And when you see it, take it and flip that coin up, right side up, and apply it to Jesus in the right way. Are you ready? Are you sitting down? Gentlemen, take a breath. Here is the verse. <coughs> I say to you that whoever looks, blepo, at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. 
There's the power of blepo. Hmm. Now, is that Holy Spirit awesome or what? Does he know how to write a Bible? <laughs> because all the devil can do is warp. He can't create. All he can do is take God-given drives, desires, and manufacture and twist it. He can't make anything new. So, for a man to look at a woman and find her desirable is by God's design. What the devil does is have you look at a woman that's not yours. <laughs> and then just take it one degree off, next thing you know you go to hell. Simple as that. Right? But look at that, take that, and then think about that when you think about But we see Jesus. We see Jesus accurately, with desire, with intense mental contemplation. We don't see everything subjected to Him, but we see Jesus <coughs> crowned with glory and honor. Are you excited? One verse today. One verse today. Get this one. We need to look. Blepo. So contemplating Jesus. We're in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. So far, in Hebrews, what we have gotten is this. His son, Hebrews 1, 2. He shall be to me a son, Hebrews 1, 5. The first begotten, Hebrews 1.6. Hebrews 1.8, the Son in thy throne, O God. Hebrews 1.10, thou Lord. Hebrews 2.3, the Lord. And then we kind of pop the clutch and shift the gear and we begin to move into the great wonder that is the book of Hebrews. Because we begin this, this transition, and we creep up to it, it's actually in verse 9, but we start getting to it in verse 6, where it says, What is man, or the son of man, that you have any thought for him? You created him a little lower than the angels, but then you subjected everything under him. You put everything under him, and when you said you put everything under him, you didn't leave anything outside of his control. But we do not yet see everything put under him. But, but... But we see, we see, and for the first time in this epistle, for the first time, splash large, we see Jesus. 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 We're not now, now we are talking about Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth. The one that was born in the manger. The one that had to go to Egypt to avoid the slaughter of the innocents. The one that came back and grew up in Nazareth. The one who walked into the synagogue in Nazareth and declared it was the acceptable year of the Lord. The one they tried to throw off the cliff. The one for who three and a half years racked and ruined the devil's kingdom to such an extent that he had to personally come down and marshal his forces just because he sent out some of his disciples and they were raising people from the dead and kicking demons out. That Jesus is who we're talking about. That Jesus who said, I am He. That Jesus who they couldn't arrest but gave Himself up. That Jesus who they couldn't kill but gave up the ghost. That Jesus who went to the grave and took the keys to death and Hades and rose from the grave. That Jesus who ascended and sits at the right hand of God. We 
see. So we're living in a world and a life that doesn't align to God's declaration yet. And we need to get past, because we don't walk by sight, we walk by what? Faith. Faith. And what we can see, what do we yet hope for? But we see Jesus accurately, with desire. We look at and mentally contemplate Jesus. Jesus. Do you see the shift? The Son of God, Thou Lord, Thou O God, Thy throne forever and ever. But we see Jesus. We have shifted. Because this is, this, is, this is the incarnation. And we have shifted in the tenor of this epistle. And it will stay this way pretty much throughout. We have now shifted from the divinity of the Son to the humanity of Jesus. Because without His humanity, He is not our faithful high priest. Without His humanity, you are still in your sins. Without His humanity, death is not conquered. Without His humanity, you cannot be saved. Without His resurrection, you have no peace with God. It is Jesus of Nazareth, the eternal Son of God, forever welded to human frame, who sits on His Father's throne. And when you see Orao, Jesus, when you get up there, and when He comes down and you see Him, you will see, we will all see, the true and actual cost. Those scars remain. It's His body. Forever. Woo! We see Jesus. We see Jesus. Who was made a little lower than the angels. For the suffering of death. First time suffering enters our epistle. For the suffering of death. Crowned with glory and honor. That he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. That little phrase right there is, is worth a whole, I don't know, sermon out on its own. Grandstand, pull out the peach tree crate and start preaching in the street corner. <laughs> Have you ever considered that it's God's grace that you go through extremely uncomfortable times for the sake of others? Have you ever, have you ever considered that your discomfort and discomfiture is by God's grace? Or do you just think God's grace is all about divine favor and everything's fine and rose petals and butterflies and the, and the air smells sweet and there's no trouble in life? By God's grace, Jesus died on the cross. Think about that. <laughs> think about that when you think about where the grace of God can lead you because the grace of God in its core essence is the power to do what you ought to do. He empowers you to do. You know, that whole thing that, that Paul goes through, you know, oh, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall save me from the body of this death? That what I want to do, I cannot do, and that's what I don't want to do, that I do, because I'm bound to this flesh. What's required is God's favor and power working through you and the Holy Spirit in you to energize correct behavior in your life from who He has made you. By the grace of God. <laughs> well, that's exciting. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> he <coughs> is crowned with glory and honor. 
John 17, 5. You know, as they're walking toward, after dinner, as they're walking toward the garden, and there's this, it's just a great fellowship time, as they're walking from their Passover room to the garden, and you have, I mean, the richness, John 14, John 15, I am the vine, you are the branch, John 16, I'll send the comforter, and, and, and then, at the tail of all this, he's there with the eleven, and whatever disciples are there, Judas isn't there, because Judas, you know, is you know, rounding up the bad guys, and they're all standing there, and Jesus, this is not Jesus going into his closet and saying, you know, all right, they're all out there, Father, let you and I have a talk. He's standing with his men and his disciples, and he lifts his face to heaven, and he begins to pray. And he says, now, Father, glorify me with the glory I had with you before the world began. You, did you know it's easier for us? I truly believe this. It's easier for us to believe in Jesus because we, we don't have to be confronted with his humanity. We have to talk about it. We have to remind ourselves of it. We didn't sit down across the table from him and he looks just like anybody else I saw on the street while he's eating dinner and then have him turn around and pray prayers like this. And, and, you know, I mean, a normal man in a normal earth suit doing completely extraordinary things. And it, it, it's no wonder that the, you see this, this oscillation in the disciples where, where they're, you know, I'll go and die with you to, I don't know, I don't know, let's go fish. I don't know who this guy is. So we don't really, all we have ever known is the resurrected Christ. That's all we've ever known. So here he stands and he prays, and now, Father, glorify me with the glory I had with thee before the world began. Now we see Jesus. For a little while, made a little lower than the angels. Now crowned with glory and honor. Peter, Acts 3.13, he says, The God of our fathers glorified his servant. Jesus. The God of our fathers glorify his servant Jesus. Philippians 2.9, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, things in heaven and the earth and under the earth. Right? One of my favorites. You see, John was there mending nets. John was there Every one called apostle was there. They had been disciples of John the Baptist. And they were there when Jesus came to the water and John said, I have need to be baptized of thee. Side note here. John the Baptist had the Holy Spirit upon him in utero. He, he didn't live a day without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. What is Jesus baptized with? The Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist, with the strongest, most persistent, long-lasting, Old Testament anointing upon him, when Jesus the Messiah, his cousin, came to him at the water's edge, John said, you have no need to get in this water to show repentance. I have need of your Holy Spirit baptism. And Jesus said, Suffer to be so now for righteousness' sake. 
But before all of that, when he came and approached, John looked up and he had a preemptive vision of the Holy Spirit resting on Jesus and not departing. And that's when he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. How did the Holy Spirit show up? Dove. As a dove. And do you remember why? Why the dove? The most predominant use of doves in Scripture is the sacrificial animal of the poor. And when doves descend, they don't dive bomb like a hawk. And if you heard them, doves are beautiful to watch, and they're fast flyers, and they make noise. When they come down, their beautiful pink red little feet are down, and their bodies are up, and their wings are doing this. And they come down in the same way they're laid on the altar in cruciform. And so, and so John looks, and the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove. And he says, Behold the Lamb of God. All of these guys saw that. John saw that. James saw that. Andrew saw it. Philip saw it. That was the qualification. Remember when Judas was, got, was taken out, when they decided to vote on who was going to be an apostle, of those who have been with us from the day of John's baptism until his ascension, let us choose one. That was the time frame. That's how I know they were all there. They heard John say, Behold the Lamb of God. They were there when he walked. They were there when he changed water to wine. They were there when he walked off in the wilderness and came back 40 days later. They were there on the lakefront mending their nets when he got in the boat and, and, and about swamped it with fish. And they were there when he just kind of walked up dressed like anybody else of his day, looking like anybody. He was so common looking that Judas had to tell the guards. This guy who had been like flipping tables over, raising people from the dead, cleansing lepers, and upending all of the religious system for three and a half years, they couldn't get a description of place on him. Judas had to say, the guy I kissed, that's him. That's how nondescript Jesus of Nazareth looked. And he walks up to him and says, hey, follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. John sees him crucified. John's there at the cross. Jesus is dying and he said, this is your mother. Mother, this is your son. <coughs> and he watched. He sees his Lord beaten beyond human recognition. A bloody pulp on a piece of wood on a hillside. John is there. John is there when the grave is open and he runs in there and nothing's there except for a made bed. Jesus is neat. <laughs> he made his bed. John's there when he steps into the room out of nowhere and says, peace be still. And he says, hey, look, a ghost doesn't have flesh and bone like you see me have. You got any fish here or something? Let me prove it to you. Let me eat. Let's sit down. Forty days, he sees them. They go out. And he watches as the Shekinah cloud comes and carries Jesus of Nazareth, his Lord, all the way to heaven. And they're like, I don't know how long it's going to take. You see him anymore? No, let's wait here for a minute. Maybe he'll be back real quick. We can get this whole Israel thing going. <laughs> and the angels show up like, what are you waiting around for? He told you to go to Jerusalem. 
Goes to Jerusalem, they do the whole thing. Okay, flash forward four decades of life. He's in prison. He's on Patmos. He's seen his brother martyred. He's seen a bunch of the other, or known a bunch of the other apostles martyred. They tried to boil him alive. I mean, they had the oil boiling and he didn't die. Let's put him out in the yes, Let's get him out there. So here he is. And he's in the spirit on the Lord's day, and he hears a voice like a trumpet behind him. It says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. And, it, and he turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw one like the Son of Man. See, but we see Jesus crowned with glory and honor. This is John who leaned on Jesus' breast. This is John, the disciple who Jesus loved. See how he identifies himself? You think Jesus loved John anymore than he loves you? But John owned it. Who are you? I'm the one Jesus loves. I'm the one that Jesus loves. <coughs> you know what kind of man John was? Lord, can we burn the town down? <laughs> they wouldn't reserve the hall. Give me a torch. Can I call fire down from the sky like Elijah? I want to do those kinds of miracles. Jesus called him a son of thunder. Son of thunder. Okay? So he turned to look to see the voice of the one talking to him. One like the son of man. And what does he see? He sees a figure, glory robed golden girdled, snow white hair, flaming eyed, <coughs> furnace fired bronze feet, waterfall roaring voice. The voice of many waters isn't a quality signature, it is, but it's primarily a volume signature. It came across like a trumpet and when Jesus spoke, it was like you're at Niagara and the water is crashing down. That's the sound of his voice. Water falling, roaring voice. Stars in his hand. I want you to catch this because we like to just take this as a symbol. You know how big of a star is? They're huge. Jesus can hold seven of them in his hand. Can you catch that for a second? Our Lord stands there. You know, like, have you ever played with marbles? Ever had, like, you know, um, uh, I don't know, they call them worry balls or whatever, you know, something Aggies. that... Aggies. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus does that with stars. He's got stars in his hand. Do you see Jesus? Do you see Jesus accurately contemplating on him with desire? Your master with flaming eyes? looking like the Ancient of Days, with hair white as snow, with a robe and a train that fills the temple, with gold girdle about his breast, flame-throwing eyes, feet shining bronze like it came right out of the furnace. Those pierced feet, God forbid anybody try to touch him now without permission. He'd boil an ocean away. sword mouths. and face bright 
as the midday sun, we see Jesus crowned with glory and honor. John, who was there at the baptism. John, who was with him in ministry for three and a half years. John, who saw him crucified. John, who saw him resurrected. John, who saw him ascended. John, who served him faithfully. John, who's almost in his 90s now, in the spirit turns and sees the glorified Christ. And his reaction is understandable. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Do you see Jesus? Because this is not a figment of your imagination that you're worshiping. This is the king of the universe who holds stars in his right hand. Whose eyes... See, you see because light comes into your eyes. His eyes shine light. There's nothing that hides from his gaze. That's a, that's a big difference there, right? Your eyes are a light receiver. His eyes are a light sender. Amen? Amen? I felt at His feet as dead. Oh, bless God forever. But we see Jesus crowned with glory and honor. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. For the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. Full stop. We're going to start breaking into this quite a bit. If Jesus had been made like an angel, he couldn't have died. He had to be made like man. Man, as a matter of fact, was manufactured with the intentionality of cell death built in. Death is a potential to make him redeemable. And whereas spirit alone in the agency of fire was the life principle of the angelic host, God created nephish, this thing we call soul life, and He put it in the blood of animals. And then He took that and He formed that to animate man at the interface between His body and His spirit. Why? So He could take animal blood and atone for sin in the intervening years before Jesus came. He could use an analog. He can use the same and like life force to cover for the sin and remain just and holy, but it wasn't enough to do the job forever. That required Jesus, the humanity of the Son of Man, to bleed perfect blood and shed out His soul for you and for me. Hallelujah. That he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Andrew Murray, I just want to read you this quote. So Andrew Murray says, In Scripture there is a twofold aspect in which, in, in which the death of Christ as our head is set before us. The one is that he died for sin, bearing his curse and suffering death as God's righteous judgment on account of it. According to the other aspect, he died to sin. I think so frequently, we, we do focus, and not, not wrongly, but we focus on the fact that Jesus died for sin, particularly ours. He didn't die for his sin. He died for sin. But we forget that he died to sin. Later on we'll read 
in this epistle where, where he says, you know, so far you haven't suffered in your resistance against sin to blood. I think that's here. Maybe it's in Peter. Jesus died to sin. His death was a proof of his resistance to sin and his temptation, of his readiness rather to give up life than to yield to sin. Woo! Wow! Now, he made this possible for us. When we get further down where it says that he delivered those who were bound their whole life to the fear of death because he took the power of death away from the devil. So, as he said to his apostles, don't fear those who can kill the body but can't kill the soul. Fear him who can cast both it and them in Gehenna. You see, when we get to the place, when we get to the place that we'd rather die than sin, then you're free. Because he who's not afraid to die can't be stopped. You can't be stopped. There's no fear. No fear at all. Isn't that powerful? Romans 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death? We've talked about two baptisms so far. Toward the end of Hebrews 5 and coming into Hebrews 6, we're going to talk about Christianity 101. The basic principles of Christ and the doctrines, plural, of baptisms, plural, is part of Christianity 101. So if all you've heard about is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're deficient in your education. If all you know about is water baptism, you're deficient in your education. There are at least three primary baptisms that all Christians will undergo. So we'll learn about that when we get there. As we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into His death. Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Guess what, saints? You're resurrected. This is what we miss. Our hope is not... <coughs> to get any part of what God promised. Our hope is to get the full measure of what God promised. And in the meanwhile, we get to live in that grace He's already given. Those who believe on me shall never die. That's you. I've been to many funerals. Did you believe in Jesus? Yeah, they're not dead. I don't get that. You don't have to. But it's truth. Because we see Jesus. And we are resurrected. When was the last time a dead man sinned against you? You ever have a corpse robbed out of your pocket? You ever walk up to a cadaver have him lie to you? Has a dead body ever betrayed you? You know? I mean, yeah, that, that may sound crass, but think about it. Dead men don't sin. Resurrected saints need not. Christ died for sin, but He died to sin. And what I'm reading to you is the fact that we died to sin because He died to sin because we were in Christ. 
we are in Christ. We've got to stop trying to do the thing and understand that we are the thing so we can behave the way we're supposed to. Instead of trying by our behavior to become something we already are. That's religion. God did it. That's grace. And when we live in grace, we do what we ought to do by the power of God. Not the force of the flesh. The flesh engenders death. Guess what? You're dead already. I got good news for you people. You're all dead. Woo! I got better news. You're resurrected. Amen? That's good news. It is good news. Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. I have a question. Yes, ma'am. So I they, really don't think I die, really. But I mean, people die. You know what I mean? We leave this earth. Yes. So, so how come it didn't like reverse everything? Like, but it, well, it is. It is. It's, it's, it's just simply in the unfolding. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned, it all didn't happen right then either, did it? Mm, well, yeah. It, okay. I mean, it so, didn't, but it did. so was the experience? It didn't, but it did. But was the experience that that Adam went and he, and he you know, he. he he ate the banana. That was the fruit. No one else knows that. The banana was, <laughs> banana was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I don't know if anybody knew that or not. Huh? Don't hate on my banana. Oh, that's right. Well, what's it a plantain? I can't remember. Oh, we know. Oh, no, no, no. No plantain. Okay. All right. So, look. God said the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Did Adam die that day? No. 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 But he didn't live to a thousand years old either. Not physically. He didn't, but he did. So, in our current understanding, in a 24-hour period of time, he didn't, like, eat and then, that day. But he didn't make it to a thousand years. And we know a thousand years with the Lord is a day, and a day is a thousand years. So, Adam never made the day out. But every succeeding generation, the years of man decreased. Do you feel frustrated? I was having a conversation with an old friend today. I was working this morning, and I mean, I began doing furniture for this guy 30 years ago. He's still at it, you know. He's, he, he established a, a, a dealership, successfully ran it for over 20 years, handed it over to his youngest son. So the, the business has been in business for 30 some odd years, and is now in its second generation. And then he, you know, he, he opened up a little dealership, keep himself busy, called Harvest Time. I said, Chuck, what were you, bored? He goes, I'm just like you. You just got to stay busy. I said, Chuck, I was just thinking the other day. I'm thinking of all the things that I know I still have to do. He said, Lord Terry, I know I will run out of life before I run out of work. I just, I know it. I absolutely know it. I am going to run out of life before I run out of work. And it's not like, it's not one of these driven things where I feel enslaved or bound or anything like that. It's just that, Oh, my lands, there's just so much to do. And, and, and the clock's going to run out. And that frustrates me. You know why? I was never designed, really, to die. And even on a bad day, 900 years is a long time to take care of a garden. 
900 years is a long time to learn how to write, how to actually craft, how to raise cattle, how to feed people, how to, how to administer, how to appreciate God's creation. 900 years. Someone lives to 90 and we're like, you find out, no offense, Mr. Cole, don't, do not take this to heart. You know, someone, my, uh, my nephew's mother just passed away two days ago. So she was, you know, uh, in her mid to late 70s. And there's a part of it that says, yeah, well, you know, she lived a life. 70? Hey, were you ready to go anywhere at 70? No, I was, I was. You I, were, you I, were warming up? I had things to do and places to go. You had things to do and places to go. You was warming up. 70, he was warming up. Have you met people who are 70 are like, you know, they're just ready to give up the ghost right then. Give me a break. Okay, how did I get on that? The day, each succeeding generation, 900 and change, 600 and change, 400 and change, 300, 120, all the way down you get to, um, I think it's Psalm 90 or whatever, when Moses is writing and he says, man's day is, you know, if he gets three score and ten, he ought to count himself happy. This is the man who died full of vigor at 120. 60, 70 years. 120. Moses was as ready as Caleb at 120 to kill giants, and God said, you don't get to. You got mad. You hit the rock. Sorry, guy. You're out of the game. I'm benching you. But he wasn't, you know, he wasn't losing his eyesight. He had lost no energy at 120. So, so yeah, it, it changed. What they did changed the world forever, but its, it's complete impact wasn't all at once. God, and, and, and the reversal is no different. And the reason why it tarries, the reason why we don't see everything under His control yet, is because God is merciful. God desires for all men to come to a knowledge of the truth Amen. and to repent. And so He waits not to exasperate us, but because He loves everybody. And He knows. He, it, it's not that He wants His saints slaughtered, but when they are, He has them. He has a completely different view of suffering than we do. Because He knows what He's going to do. And we suffer in this life and we hit turmoil, can't pay the rent, I'm sick. Someone said I'm dying, I'm not feeling well. Me and the wife are getting, we are getting along. I'm just talking out loud. You know, all these things are happening. We're like, oh, I'm sorry. God's up there like, come on, man, get a grip. you have any idea? Do you have any idea what I have? For eternity. For eternity. Yeah. Just stop your whining for a minute and enjoy it. And there is cats. Oh. Uh, Hi. She's so big. Oh, my lands. This is why God calls whining a sin, because you don't have his perspective. What in the world? I had a talk. I was talking to, to Heidi about this the other night. You know, I said, I said, the life is life's full of simple, practical choices. You know, we could talk up a nice dinner. And, and uh, I said back, we, we, talk, we talk about B.C. So, you know, before cancer, I actually had taste buds. And, and so now every, every meal is an adventure. Sometimes I can taste food, sometimes I can't, you know. And so what I enjoy and what I can eat, I don't know. But back in the day, we would, you know, we would talk about, hey, what are you going to have for dinner? Well, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, you know. Meanwhile, so now my mind's all set. My focus, hi, Michelle. My focus is all set on this grandiose meal, right? Meanwhile, my wife is occupied with seven children. Life's happening, okay? 
-hmm. It's not like she can shut them all in a room and just, you know, be a gourmand. <laughs> Even though she is. But, and so, life happens and then the meal turns into some, something completely different. You know, nowhere near the china plate I was expecting. And I said, at that moment, at that moment, I have a choice. I can sit down at the table and go, yeah, what God, yeah, I guess this lousy soup and yeah, yeah, the kids and you and dinner I don't know why she's disrespecting me like this. I work hard for this family and she's not taking care of me. Okay. You know how many people get bitter like that over everything in life? That's yeah. terrible to be like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about a simple meal. If if we could get it if we could get it to a simple meal, we could beat life across the board. This is why we eat together. This is why we eat together. And so I could do that. Or I could be thankful I came home to a wife who loved me enough to fix dinner. That I have a God who provides enough for me that I have food. I've never starved a day in my life. Ever. And we've come close to being completely out. One of the miracles was we were all the way out in Pungo. You know, I work at 80 hours a week, hadn't seen a paycheck in a month. I'm selling my firearms just to make rent. We have no food in the house. We're like, we're so deep in Pungo, you throw a rock, North Carolina goes, ow! <laughs> I mean, we were out there. We're like, what are we going to do for dinner? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. A car pulls in the driveway. A friend who we hadn't seen in, I don't know, 60 days, 90 days. Hey, guys, I was in the neighborhood. You know what's in that neighborhood? <laughs> Opens her car, walks in with four or five bags of groceries. From, from Virginia Garden, wow. sets them in the house, God bless you, love you. I've never gone hungry. <laughs> you even had like food at church miraculously yeah. multiplied too. Now, we didn't have enough I, I've, been, I've been on some severe fasts, mind you. We had the homes like they were big people. They were big people. And we invited them over and they're like, they ain't large. Now this is going to happen, Lord, please. <laughs> and we had leftovers that day too, I think. Yeah. 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 So can we get it? Can we get it? Can we just get thankful? Can we can we just can we just get thankful? So so life is down to these choices. How did I get on this rant? I don't know. But when we we have these choices in life of being thankful for what God has done. And so God is carrying us through, and He wants to usher in as many into the kingdom as possible. We're, we're a huge, like, you know, huge part of that. Now, we're not the only part of that. You know, we can't get in there. He'll send an angel, give a dream. Jesus Himself will show up, give someone a pair of slippers. Uh, I don't jest. I mean, there was this Muslim terrorist, and, and uh, you know, well, he was anyway, a very committed Muslim guy, and that's what Jesus did. He just showed up and left a pair of His slippers in the guy's closet. What? Yeah. He's like, what are these? And I said, anyhow, and, and so through the Quran, Jesus, who showed up and left a pair of his slippers in this guy's house, led him to himself to come to the Lord. See, we gotta get out of our box. Jesus is bigger. Jesus is bigger. Jesus is bigger. We talk about, you know, hey, we talk about ourselves, we talk about our children, we talk about well, what we can do about this way, but I was like, Jesus has got it. I used to try to fix people. I gave up. I can't. Jesus can. 
Yeah. I'm not a people I'm fixer. People can fix I'm not a people lover. Yeah. You know? Hi, this is Jesus. Meet Jesus. Y'all figure it out. Next. I mean, you know, I can't be with you 24-7. And if I was, it would be detrimental to both of us. <laughs> I would like to roach you and ruin you and make you worse. Okay? So, anyhow. We've been planted together in the likeness of His death. We shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. I wish I could remember what the jump-off point of that was. It tied in somewhere, but that's okay. It was good, right? Can we get an amen? Amen. 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 All right. Knowing this, that our old man is, is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. We are not a bound slave to sin. You don't gotta. You don't gotta. Well, I, 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 I no, you don't. I, I can't. No, you don't. You're dead. You don't gotta. You don't. I just, I just don't like that person. You don't have that option. <laughs> you don't have that option because you know if people you can get along with that are trying to kill you, you can't get along with. You haven't gotten there yet. Let them punch you in the face five, six times, and then love them. And now you're starting to be a Christian. Yeah. Yeah, God could do that. God could do that. God could do that for you. You got interpersonal conflict, bitterness toward a person? Go in the closet, talk to Jesus. Let him get you straight. Have a come to Jesus meeting. Because no saint of God has any right to be miffed at anybody else who's alive on the planet. None. You offended God Almighty. Jesus bled every ounce of his blood for you. And, and you're upset because someone called you a bad name. I think we get trapped in the belief or the lie that, that love comes when the other person becomes. Instead of love comes in spite of the other person being, being where low. they are. Sister? That was awesome. That was really well put. Um, Remember who you were when Jesus loved you. I don't know why we always forget this. That having been loved when we were lost, rebellious, and, and foul, somehow we think now that He would love us more or that we could somehow earn it. <clears throat> oh, this, this is... You know, when we, we're going to turn the corner to verse 10 where it says, He's not ashamed to call us brethren. How often do we think we have to hide our face from Jesus, you know? I, I did this, I did... You don't think He knows? I mean, He feeds 5,000 men and their wife, wives and their children. And then He feeds 4,000 with like nothing. And He gets in a boat with His apostles. And He says, Beware of the lab of the Pharisees. And they look at each other like... Oh, he's sick because we forgot the bread. <laughs> I, I told you, Andrew, you should have bought the bread. I can't believe it. I just, did you? Did you, Philip? Did you get the bread? Who's got the bread? And Jesus is like, ah! What is wrong with you? How many people did we feed there? How much did you have left over? Well, how many people did we feed over there? How much did you have left over? Seven. How could you even stop and think that I'm even talking about bread? <laughs> right? That's what we do. We're like, we're like, you know, we, 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 when we start talking about bread, Jesus is like, oh, 
All I wanted to do was hug you. You think I knocked you over. All I wanted to do was hold you. You thought I was trying to squeeze the life out of you. All I wanted to do was talk to you. You thought I was bugging you. Oh, saints, can we see Jesus accurately with desire? Righteous, snow-white hair, blazing flame eyes, star-holding hand, sword mouth, bronze foot, glory robe, golden girdle, Jesus with waterfall voice, who loves you, who holds you, who for all eternity, the entire angelic host, as wonderful they are, will look upon the Lamb of God as if slain from the beginning of the world. And no, it was not for them that He died, but the saints who could sing songs that angels can't even voice. Woo! Oh, hallelujah. I mean, <coughs> can we see Jesus? Can we see Him? See Him crowned with glory and honor. He had to suffer death to be crowned with glory and honor as Jesus. He always, see, I don't want to get too far afield here, but as the Son of God, reassuming His glory would have been taking His place as Godhead. Resuming. His crowning as Jesus of Nazareth is different. It's earned. It's acquired. It was bought with blood and obedience unto death. Can we see Jesus? Because this magnificence this magnificence is the result of His love for you. He looks like that because He loved you. The life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and died for me. Can we see Jesus? I mean, can we see Him? Can you see Him? See, when you see Him, when you see Him, when you see this, and He shows up, Sometimes you have no choice but to fall at his feet as though dead. Because you know what? You are. You are. Until he lifts you up like he lifted John up. And he did lift you up. He put his life in you that you might live to him and not be a slave to sin. You don't gotta. That's how I got on that whole train. You don't gotta. Because he'll carry you to the do. He can get you well beyond the don't. The don't is the schoolmaster. The do is the Son of God. Hallelujah. We've got to get past not lying to telling the truth. We've got to get past not murdering to raising people from the dead. We've got to get past, uh, you know, using the Lord's name blatantly to speaking prophecy and thus saith the Lord and it be real. That's where we need to get. That's the reality of the spirit of life in Christ. The spirit of the law that he burned into your heart. Our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin be bound slaves to sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. See, this is the thing. When it's an addiction, when it's one of these things you keep falling into and you tell yourself, but I can't, I gotta, it's a lie. You're being deceived because you're dead and you're free. Jesus is looking at this, and you're a corpse laying there, rotting on people. 
You know? You're laying there like, you're leaking all kinds of foul stuff everywhere. And he's like, dude, what are you doing? You're dead. You, you, you don't have to do that anymore. That's not you anymore. That part of you is a cadaver. Stop digging him up. Just live like I live in you. It's, I mean, it really is the simplicity that's in Christ. We try too hard instead of just being. Oh. Are you excited? Yes. Huh? I mean, yes. I mean, this God of ours. This God of ours. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Amen? 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 Can I add something? Yes, ma'am. That I was, reading, that I was uh, studying this week is that, you know, we look at sin as it's like something like that we're, just like Eve did. It's... it's Desirous, it's luring, it's you know has it, it's always seeming better than it is. And when I when I started to consider it as God is asking for everything of every one of us, He's asking for full surrender. So, but when you break that down to all He's asking for is for me to lay down everything I was never meant to be in the first place, so that I can become everything He created me to be. It's total freedom. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. So it then Did y'all hear that? Did y'all hear that? Yes. Say it again just because it was good. <laughs> we're not, we're not giving <laughs> so he's asking me for everything. He, all he's doing is asking me to lay down everything I was never intended to be so I can become who he created me to be. Amen. Then is that, sin isn't desirable anymore because it's not who I was. It was not the garden to be. Is that good or what? Yes. Oh, God. Uh, God gets a hand clap on that one. Praise him. <laughs> so much. Yes. Romans 6, verses 9 through 12. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion on him. You are dead and freed from sin. The wages of sin is what? Death. Death. Death has no more dominion over Jesus. Whatever you give over to Jesus, death can't touch. Huh. Did you get that? Because it just came. Whatever you give over to Jesus, death cannot touch. He is the resurrection and the life. That is current state. He looked at, he looked at Martha, whose brother had been in the grave for four days, and he said, you believe? Oh, yeah, yeah, I believe you'll live in the last day. No, you don't get it. I am. I am the resurrection and the life. Your brother's not dead. He's just absent body. I'll fix that. I'll take him and I'll put him back in. By the way, I, and I know, I'm, I'm not trying to be flip. I've never done it. But I'm just letting you know that, that raising someone from the dead is not highly difficult. It's, it's psychologically, you know, you're thinking you're dealing with a cadaver and you're like, ooh, how are we going to do all this? But here are the mechanics of raising someone from the dead. You, as a body without the spirit is what? Dead. Dead. So all you do when you raise someone from the dead is you call their spirit and you put it back in their body. That's it. That's how you raise someone from the dead. Is that hard? Is that complex? I mean, that, it's as simple as that. <coughs> That's how you raise someone from the dead. I hope that helps you. You know what's required to raise someone from the dead? Someone has to be dead. 
We forget that part. Oh, I want to raise someone from the dead. You know what has to happen for you to raise someone from the dead? Someone has to go through the experience of hopelessness, brokenheartedness, and loss of a loved one for God to intervene and plug their spirit back in their body. Parents have to stand around and sit around a bed and watch their daughter expire. Sisters have to watch their brother languish while the master stays out of town waiting for him to die. Oh, Jesus, where are you? Hey, I'm waiting to make this a bigger splash than it was if I just showed up and got you over your cold. No, no, I know it's tough now, but wait until you get out of that grave, dude. You're going to be popular as all get out. They're going to want to kill you as bad as they want to kill me. Trust me. We'll have fun together. Avoiding the posse. Resurrected life. Did you think like this? Uh, this is life. This is real. This is true. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died to sin once. One time. But in he lives, he lives to God forever. Forever. He lives to God forever. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Okay? That's the key there. See, we see Jesus die, buried, resurrected, ascended, enthroned, and glorified. We did all that with Him. We see Jesus, but we see Jesus, but we see Jesus made a little bit lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. The first Adam, this is Andrew Murray, this is part of your question. The first Adam tasted the forbidden fruit and won death for all. The second Adam tasted this death and bought life for all much more magnanimous, much more powerful, much more world-changing. Even secular authorities, even atheistic secular authorities, historians, economists, philosophers, and politicians acknowledge the fact that no man has changed the planet like Jesus of Nazareth. Even those who believe he was just a dusty prophet out of the hills of Galilee 2,000 years ago acknowledge the fact that he changed Western civilization forever. One man's life. But the reality of it is, he changed all of everything forever. All of everything forever. Bless you. Thank you. Thank God we did, because we were all heading for hell. Yes, we were. Bless God. Romans 5.17 out of the message. I love this. If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes? Sovereign life. And those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift, this grand setting everything right, that the one man, Jesus Christ, provides. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Que ya te pade sika Harki pekion koke ishare sato. Mandrai para o isela. So koko chila me chankoa tatse poha. Shankai toke le mehaila na ha. 
chukale michikalo hunko chin hola sahane mohuye shoko hunki chale ho sale moja shoko kishale na hanko eshawa ha ya hunko hole masiale shukale bashawa hankale sala shukare la sal sal sere batitao sukare male shao tukashana mahakata tise Hora sal, hari, yokale masal. I am in your midst. I am with you, for you are gathered in my name. I was dead, but I am alive and live forevermore. I am in you. I am with you, and I am for you. I am for you. I am for you. None can stand against my face. Face my face and none can stand against your back. I am your Lord. I am your deliverer. I am the lover of your soul. Grasp a hold of my cloak and pull virtue from me and be healed and whole for I am in you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, praise you, Jesus. Anybody else have a word? Testimony? He has a word. Testimony. Cool. The Lord would say that um, <coughs> that there are people that are not sure whether to go or to stay or to through the cloud, through the fire, through just talking to his, to his children, you know, go, you know, depart now, stop. And many times he sent his angel before them. And not only did he send his angel before them, but many times those angels defeated the enemy before they even got there. And so the word is, is listen to your father's voice. And he delights in showing you the way. And so if you don't know your father's voice, his desire is that we would know our father's voice and not the stranger's voice because the stranger's voice will sound strange to you. So his desire is to learn his voice and he is all about teaching us his voice. So if we don't know his voice, we don't have to fret. We can just press in and tell the father that we want to know his voice. We want to know it's his voice and he is happy and ready to step up and to do that um and then and then he's sending his angels before you to defeat the enemies before we even arrive thank you lord and i do have a testimony that's kind of on the tails of that so stepping out and actually talking to people like this was saying you know like strangers is I don't think anybody's real comfort zone, but it's really not my comfort zone. Um, and and like like when I used to be in a big church, the meet and greet time was the time I wanted to like crawl under because it's just superficial and it just feels so fake and I just I can't stand it. But I've grown in that area, so so to talk briefly with a stranger is is is, is difficult. And so, but my kids will tell you that pretty much anywhere we go, people will just tell me their life story. Like literally, I'll be waiting in line in a dressing room and they will just like, you know, and I'm like, 
when I do this. Like we were walking at Target one day, and I'm like, "Hi, how are you?" And she's like, "You will never know, believe the day that I've had." And Sabbath is like, you know, oh my gosh, you know. So anyway, this week, um, at the beginning of the week. I, I had been previously praying for opportunities to step out and to just to just be a light. And it was interesting because on this one, you know, so I had my mind set on certain days, like, Lord, you know, lead me to talk to somebody in this store. And he wouldn't, or he didn't, or I didn't take the step. <laughs> so no, this one particular day, there I wasn't even, there. yeah, exactly. There's 10,000 people in Louisville. Um, this day, I wasn't really thinking about that. And I went into Food Lion, and there wasn't really anybody there. And so I just walked to the line that had nobody in it, and there were like three that had nobody in it. And so I just walked up to the young lady, and she's like, hi, did you find everything you needed? And I'm like, Yes, I did. I was like, how's your day? And she's like, uh, it's okay. And I was like, are you sure? <laughs> and she's like, oh. <laughs> she goes, life, is, life is really, really difficult sometimes. And I'm like, yeah, it really is. And I'm like, okay, the Lord's like, knock, knock, knock. And I'm like, I turn around and there's nobody behind me. And I'm like, okay, there's no managers because we're right by customer service. And, and so I'm like, if you walk out of here, you will just not you will be kicking yourself. So I was right. like, I was like, Lord, I was like, what, what do you want me to do? And I just looked at this little gal and I was just like, can I pray for you? And she goes, really? And I was like, yes. I was like, I would be honored to pray for you. And she's like, okay. And she kind of finished my order and swiped my card and, and everything. And she goes, my hands are really cold. And I'm like, you want me to hold your hands? I'm like, oh my gosh, you know? And so she like hands me her hands and I just stand there and I just prayed over this little gal. And she goes, this is just so amazing. And so she was just tears and I was, you know, pretty much a But she goes, so what's your name? I said, what's your name? And she goes, Misa. She's probably like 18. And, and she goes, what's yours? And I was like, Michelle. And she goes, I really hope I see you again. But I, I don't know the impact, but just in our obedience, he shows up every time. And so it was just, she was so precious. And people that seem so intimidating to me, you know, they're... God will lead us to the right ones. He'll lead us to those. Jobs. And I think he's probably going to work me up to like the ones that really aren't something. And I really think that's what it is. But I just delighted in how, how gentle he was with me in, in bringing me along someone's path of someone that was just so tender and kind and just, you know, so, so tender. So anyway, I just, it was a victory for me, but it was just a, a testimony of him. It was a blessing for her. Yeah. Oh. The great that we're here. Thank you. Yeah, great.